Uh, welcome back, Fight Fans, to episode number 190B, the preview show of the Neutral Corner. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. And as you can see here, the new issue of Boxing Monthly is out. Make sure you check it out. And uh, some good stuff in here. A really cool feature inside. History's greatest heavyweight punchers. You guys know I love the heavyweights. Everybody loves a power puncher. We got some good stuff in here. Uh, really nice piece on Joe Calzaghe, too, talking about his father, Enzo, the special bond that they had. Of course, Enzo uh, passed on recently, and it was, uh, it was tough for Joe because he was very, very close with his father. So anyway, make sure you check out the new issue of Boxing Monthly Magazine, all right? One of the finest boxing publications on planet Earth. And uh, before I get started with the show, we got the big preview show tonight. We got a big fight card coming up in New York this Saturday. I wanted to share my new gloves with you guys. Just wanted you to check these out. Uh, reach over here and grab them. Check these out from Adidas. These are uh, specialty gloves, personalized gloves from Adidas. You say it's, uh, you see, it says Montero right here on the gloves. How badass are these, man? I uh, just wanted to show you guys these. I, I tested these out. Tried them out and uh, broke them in today. Uh, I know the, the light's a little hot here because I got a couple lights on, so you can't see the color too well. But uh, the metallic light blue, kind of the Kazakhstan blue here. So Jack Alter, if you're on, I know you're going to love these. And then uh, some gold piping around here. Uh, these are 16-ounce sparring gloves. You use them to train, but 16-ounce, so I go ahead and spar on these. And then uh, white on the inside here. Uh, these are just super, super dope. And of course, personalized. Got the Montero, uh, my name on them. So how cool is that, man? Um, I will give a full review as I use them. So I just broke them in today. We're uh, just worked these uh, in today, in my workout today. Trying to get back at it, back in Atlanta after being gone for two weeks on the West Coast. And then guess what? Next week, I'm going to Chicago. So um, got to thank my man, Alan Gomez, for hooking it up with these, uh, getting these uh, put together for me. And guys, if you're interested in getting a pair of these personalized gl gloves from Adidas, anyone can get them. You could design your own. They have hundreds of color combinations. Seriously, you could go on their site and you can really, really break it down. Uh, you could break down the glove into three different colors, the inside of the palm into two separate colors, the piping, the wrist, uh, everything, the strap. And then, of course, you could get your name on here or whatever words you want to put. I even think they could do two different words, one on each glove. I think that option is available. If you guys are interested in these gloves or just want to check them out, uh, email me, MonteroOnBoxing at Gmail, and I'll get you my contact over there, Alan P. Gomez. He's the man. There's a couple other guys I know. I know Sal over there, too, that will take care of you guys. So um, make sure that you uh, email me, and um, I'll give you guys more information about these Adidas gloves. But like I said, I can't do a full detailed review yet. I've only used them once. What I want to see, I've never gotten the metallic coloring on the gloves. I'll try to get these real close so you can see just how shiny that is, that metallic color. I've never gotten the metallic color on the gloves, and I want to see how long it holds up. I've heard good things. I've heard bad things. I don't know. So I, want to, I need to use these a few more times. I just used them on the bag today. Um, maybe I'll spar on these if I get back into sparring over the next couple months or so and um, see, how they, see how they feel. But 16 ounces, nice, comfortable. I think it's a combination of Japanese foam and horsehair in here. I got a, co a combination for the inside of them. But so far, man, they felt great on the bag. Nice and comfortable. Let's see if this metallic coloring holds up and let's see how they feel in sparring. I will let you guys know for sure. In the meantime, again, if you're interested in those, email me, MonteroUnboxing at gmail.com. I'll give you more information. I'll give you my contact over there who can hook you up, who could take care of you guys, all right? Okay, let's get into, uh, well, you know, before I get into news and notes, real quick reminder, Gail Falkenthal is on. She says, smash it, people. You know what she's talking about. Smash the like button if you're watching this live on YouTube right now. First of all, let me say thank you to everybody who's watching live right now. Uh, thank you to everyone who watched while I was out in LA and checked out all my work that I did for ringtv.com, for boxingnews24.com. Uh, I was busy as hell out there. It was a crazy two weeks. I'm just going to get caught up here for a few days and then go up to Chicago to cover the Alexander Usyk card. So there will be more great stuff coming from myself 
and Tiffany Lamb uh, next week for that fight. Also, uh, just a reminder, guys, look, I say this every week, but I don't charge a monetary fee for this podcast. If you want to help out, what you could do, uh, the best thing, of course, is to share this video because the notifications don't always work. I know some of you get them, but some of you don't. Also, YouTube changes their algorithms all the time. And there's a bunch of you because I get messages from you guys sometimes. Some of you out there saying, man, I thought I was subscribed to you. And then I just realized I'm unsubscribed. What the hell is that? YouTube will do that shit. They will go through and purge and they will unsubscribe people and they will take off the notifications bell. So make sure you check all that stuff and share this video. Share this podcast if you're listening later on iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever. Make sure you share. Make sure you like. Make sure you subscribe, follow, rate, leave a review, all that good stuff. That is the best thing you could do to help me out. But if you want to help out here on Super Chat, we have that option here on the live YouTube video. If you want to help out on Patreon, we have that option as well. And of course, we got MOBTs for sale. So uh, there's a bunch of you guys out there around the world rocking Montero Unboxing t-shirts. That's so awesome. It helps me get my name out there. Because you know I don't play uh, favorites. I don't do nothing but puff pieces like some of these other guys out there in boxing media who literally suck everybody's dick at different times. Every promoter's dick gets sucked or their balls get rubbed and fondled at some point in time. And that's how they get access. You guys know I don't do that. I tell it like it is. I ruffle feathers. I ruffled a lot of feathers in Monday's podcast. I got a lot of hate mail Monday including from people in the industry that were like, man, you didn't say that stuff about top rank. Well, actually, yeah, I did. I actually did. I talked a lot of shit about ESPN pushing the lineal bullshit. I talked plenty of trash. And when I say talk shit or talk trash, I don't mean I'm just being negative. I'm just being objectively critical. And I talked plenty of uh, shit about uh, Tyson Fury, lineal this, lineal that them uh, comping more tickets than they actually sold. So you guys know I keep it real across the board, and that's why everybody respects me, but not everybody necessarily likes me. (laughs) So the best thing you could do is help us out here by spreading the word. All right, let's go ahead and um, let's get into some quick news items, okay? And then we'll do the preview, and uh, we'll get into the chat because um, there's not that much to talk about. Of course, we got a big fight to preview. I know you guys will have questions. That's why I want to get to the chat. Okay, quick news items. John Molina Jr., the gladiator, retires. Smart choice. Very, very smart choice. Uh, Did not look good against Jose Cito Lopez. Did not look good against Omar Figueroa earlier this year. Legs are gone. Heart is still in it. You guys who who saw my interview with him, um, that that was a week and a half ago. Shit, yeah, a week and a half ago. So I was just there in the gym. I saw him work out. I saw him spar. Dude's heart's in it. His head's in it. His hands are in it. His legs aren't. Legs are gone. And it's just time for him to hang him up. He's had a very successful career that he carved out for himself. He's had some great moments, some fights of the year, some rounds of the year, some great comebacks from from literally just completely being dominated to one hitter quitter, boom, come back against uh, Mickey Bay. Make sure you check that fight out if you haven't seen it. Go find that on YouTube. But um, great career. Good luck in retirement, John. You deserve it. You and your family deserve it. Okay, uh, Joseph Parker pulls out of his heavyweight fight with Derek Chisora. Remember, that was going to be on the Progray Taylor undercard. I think that was going to be the co-main October 26th. Derek Chisora was ranting and raving, saying that should be the main event, which is absolute bullshit. No, it shouldn't. But a lot of people were looking forward to that fight. I know I was. I know I was really looking forward to that fight. But Joseph Parker's out. He has an illness. I heard that he got bit by a spider. I heard all kinds of crazy shit. I don't know exactly what's going on. But he wants to fight Chisora next year. He's out for right now. And I believe uh, they're still looking for an opponent. Uh, Eddie Hearn is for Derek Chisora. But Chisora will fight somebody on October 26th. Uh, Salun Munoz says, I hope it's Povetkin. I know that's one of the guys they're considering. So it may, it may very well be Povetkin. It's really up to him. But who wouldn't like to see Povetkin Chisora on that card? I think it just adds to it. I can't. You guys know I can't wait for Progray Taylor. That's, to me, that's just the most anticipated fight for me this year. Uh, Azier says, Hunter, yes, Michael Hunter is in the mix. He absolutely is in the mix. 
Uh, let's see. I see a comment here from Boxing and Bulldogs. Mike is dressed like Frank Stallone singing in a mixed gym before the first Clubber Lang fight. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who are listening, uh, I'm, wearing a, I'm wearing one of my Puma track suits, and this is a, a cool blue color. I love this one. Um, I, I don't even know how, what kind of blue is this. I'm not sure, but uh, I love this track suit. It's comfortable, and this is what I wear around the house. This is like my pajamas. I, I love these things. I, have, I probably have five different Pumas, different materials too. Some of them are kind of felt suede material. Not suede, what am I saying? Uh, what kind of, um, I can't think of the word. Just uh, like a really, kind of like a suede material. I got a Ferrari Puma that's dope. Anyway, some of you guys have seen it before. I can talk about that for an hour. All right, uh, LV Yildirim tested positive for a banned substance by VADA. This was through the WBC's clean boxing program which I'm a big fan of. It's not perfect, but I do, I do think it's a good thing. And here's another time where the uh, fighter in their program tested positive for a banned substance. Coincidentally enough, Yildirim was the mandatory that David Benavidez just inherited when he beat Anthony Durrell to get his, his w, uh, was WBC? Yeah, WBC super middleweight title back. And um, now, remember, he lost his title because he tested positive for cocaine. And now this mandatory, Avni Yildirim, you guys probably remember him. I think he was in Series 1 of the World Boxing Super Series and lost, I think, to Chris Eubank Jr., if memory serves me correctly. He tested positive for a synthetic drug. And now that was the A sample. They're going to test the B sample. Now, I can hear some of you guys chuckling over this A sample, B sample shit as it relates to UCAD because we're all still waiting for the B sample with the whole Dillian White situation. But this is VADA. So the B sample will be tested because apparently uh, Yildirim's team did file a protest. So that B sample will be tested and it will happen soon because VADA actually knows what they're doing and does a good job. Also, one other news item I thought that uh, I should mention. So last week when we were in LA, I told you guys about this. Uh, Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz were hanging around the fight promotion. They were actually at the fight hotel. I bumped into Luis Ortiz. He actually looks pretty good compared to other times where I've seen him where he looked like absolute hell. He looks pretty good compared to other times I've seen him. Uh, but they had a tiny little presser with some media folks and just talked about that fight, the rematch and everything. And then, of course, they officially announced it. There was a Fox Sports executive VP there, Bill Wagner. Now, he's the executive vice president for a few different things. I can't even remember, but it's like three or four different areas he's the executive VP for. He's pretty high up in Fox Sports. And he was talking about PBC, their deal together on Fox and what their business plan is. And you guys know one of my biggest criticisms of Premier Boxing Champions and Al Heyman and all those guys, they don't talk about their business plan with the fans or the media. They, they're completely cryptic and they leave guys like me sitting around trying to decipher their code talk and figure out what they're doing. But the network guys, they talk. They love to get in front of the mic and talk. And this Bill Wagner kind of let it slip that they're, they're planning on doing four to five pay-per-view shows a year for the remainder of their contract with Premier Boxing Champions. So I think there's been five or six in the last 10 months, starting with uh, Fury Wilder all the way till now. I know both of Spence's fights this year were pay-per-view. Both of Pacquiao's were. Uh, We're about to get another one with the Wilder-Ortiz rematch. That's pay-per-view. So off the top of my head, I want to say it's six in less than a year. And that is going to be the business plan going forward with PBC on Fox. Yes, they will continue to do shows once a month on FS1. They will continue to do regular Fox broadcast here and there. But you're going to get four or five pay-per-views a year with PBC on Fox. So if that's, what, 80 bucks a pop, guys, you're talking $300, $400 a year if you're a fan of PBC. Now, a lot's talked about you know, these apps and, and $5 a month over at ESPN. So you got to pay $60 a year to get top rank on ESPN's fights. And there's a lot of people that are really mad at that, right? And they, they want these streaming platforms to fail. By the way, they're not going to fail because they're the future of the industry. But over at the zone, you got to pay $100 a month to get the zone. And there's a lot of people that bitched about that. Meanwhile, over at PBC, and this isn't me hating, remember, I covered two of these pay-per-views. I traveled thousands of miles to cover them live. 
both Spence fights this year. So it's not me hating, it's just me telling you the truth. You guys are gonna pay three to $400 a year to get all the PBC fights if you're ordering these pay-per-views. That gouging that took place this year, that's not just a 2019 thing. That will continue through the life of PBC's contract with Fox. They are going to move away from Showtime and move more into the direction with Fox and use that Fox machine to promote their pay-per-views. And that's where they're going to get their big cash payouts. For Spence Porter, it was reported they each received a $2 million purse, which is true. That's what's officially on the record. What's not reported, what's cryptic, what we all don't know and can only speculate about is the money that Uncle Al's sliding to them under the table, particularly Errol Spence, and what the pay-per-view upside money will be for each of those guys. They're both going to make a lot of money. Uh, Errol Spence uh, certainly getting very good money for that fight with Sean Porter, and that's why they're going the pay-per-view route because they can start getting those big, big paydays. Are they getting the paydays Canelo Alvarez or Gennady Golovkin are getting? Not quite there. Deontay Wilder is. But um, Spence and those guys are a little bit short of that. But dude, next year, you're going to get... Don't be surprised if Spence Garcia's pay-per-view. That's not a pay-per-view fight, but it probably could go to pay-per-view. I don't know. It's early in the year. Maybe they shoot their wad and all their budget goes to that fight to put it on regular Fox. But it's very possible because at least four or five shows in 2020, and this is from Bill Wagner, executive VP at Fox Sports, at least four or five shows next year are going to be on Fox pay-per-view. And that's going to be the plan going forward. So look, don't shoot the messenger, okay? That's what's going on here. Now let's get into the preview this week. So uh, one card we have on Friday, October 4th on ESPN+. Plus. There is a little featherweight tournament at York Hall in London, and this will be on Sky in the UK as well. No real crazy notable fighters or anything like that, but uh, that's going to be picked up by the Plus here in the States if you want to check out some Boxing Friday. Also, um, Telemundo card from Florida. Puerto Rican super lightweight prospect Yomar Alamo is going to be fighting Mexican Antonio Moran. Antonio Moran's been in with some good quality fighters. Yomar Alamo... Alamo is uh, undefeated, so uh, that should be a fun fight. And Puerto Ricans, uh, they, they usually draw well in Florida. There's a big Puerto Rican population there. So Saturday, October 5th, there's a Showtime card from Flint, Michigan. And this card features undefeated welterweight prospect out of Philadelphia, Jerron Ennis, or Jerron Ennis, I'm sorry. Uh, 23 and 0 with 21 knockouts going up against an Argentinian with a dog shit resume. So expect a huge knockout win here. Damian Daniel Fernandez, I think, and this is going to destroy this guy. It's pretty much a showcase. Also, uh, Michigan heavyweight, I think out of Saginaw, Jermaine Franklin going up against Czech fighter Pavel Saur, who is 11-1, only stepped up once in his little uh, brief professional career against uh, Philip Hergovic in 2017. He was knocked out in one round. So guess what Jermaine Franklin's going to do to him? So, I've kept an eye on Jermaine Franklin because he's from my home state. He's a heavyweight. And um, the last few times he's fought, he's been on Showbox a few times. He just hasn't been very impressive. Has not been very impressive at all. And I think they're stepping him back a little bit in opposition. If he can't get this dude out of there, I don't know, I don't know what to say. He should be able to get rounds in with this guy, soften him up in the middle rounds, and get rid of him late. If he doesn't, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Also on this card, of course, Clarissa Shields. She is uh, fighting in her hometown of Flint. First fight at junior middleweight. Dumped her middleweight titles and is fighting at junior middleweight against uh, Ivana Habazin for the vacant WBC and WBO 154-pound titles. Clarissa Shields will win this fight by a fairly wide decision. Clarissa Shields yet to drop or knock out a fighter in her professional career. Yeah, constantly bitches about not getting fan love, not getting equal pay. Well, here's your chance. You're going to win vacant titles once again in another weight class, but drop this chick. Knock her out. Make a statement in front of your hometown fans. That's how you get people buzzing. Let's get to New York, guys, where this is the big card of the week. Madison Square Garden, New York City, on the zone. And uh, in the main event, Gennady Golovkin taking on Sergei Drevyanchenko for a va- the vacant IBF midway title. 
We'll talk about that fight in detail in a second. Let's get to some quick undercard stuff. Uh, 3-0 Uzbek junior middleweight Israel Madromov going up against Mexican Alejandro Barrera. Barrera does have some experience. He's been in there uh, with Carlos Adames, a good quality prospect. He fought Errol Spence a couple years back, got knocked out, and some other notable guys. So Barrera is a nice little step up in opposition for Madromov. This will only be his fourth pro fight. I expect a big win for him in this fight, probably a mid-round stoppage. Also, Ivan Baranchek coming off that first loss of his career to Josh Taylor in the World Boxing Super Series semis, going up against Puerto Rican native Brooklyn resident Gabriel Bracero in a 10-round, 140-pound fight. That should be pretty good. I think that's going to be pretty uh, competitive and entertaining. Of course, you got to favor Baranchek down the stretch. Also, Ali Akhmadov who is promoted by Gennady Golovkin's promotional company, and they're really excited about him. 15-0 super middleweight going up against Phoenix native Andre Hernandez, who has fought Caleb Plant, Jesse Hart, and others. So uh, this guy Hernandez, again, experienced. He's overmatched. This is a showcase kind of a fight. But for Akhmadov, who is a prospect still as a pro, this is a minor step up for him because you know, a lot of people are shitting on this matchup. Again, Hernandez has been in there with good fighters. He's lost every time. But again, he lost to Caleb Plant. I think he was stopped by Jesse Hart. So we can really kind of gauge where Akhmadov is at by his performance against Hernandez. Of course, styles make fights. You know that whole thing. But he should dominate if he is who we think he is. And everyone's pretty high on this kid. So Madrimov and Akhmadov, those are two guys on the undercard you want to make sure you check out because they're up-and-comers. I've told you guys about the Uzbekistanis. They're going to be, the next, they're going to be like the next Ukrainians, I'm telling you. Also on this card, uh, former Irish Olympian, 2016 Olympian Joe Ward, six-foot-one southpaw, light heavyweight, making his professional debut. That's smart. You got an Irish kid fighting in New York, professional debut. There's a ton of Irish people in New York. They will show up. So uh, that's smart. Other prospects on the card as well. But main event. So a lot of people have talked about this fight between Golovkin and Derevyanchenko, and there's two views on it. Some people view this as like a 50-50 matchup because they really think Golovkin is faded. And then some people, they don't know who the hell Derevyanchenko really is, so they view this as another hand-picked opponent that he's going to blow through. I think both of those viewpoints are ignorant and incorrect. I think the truth lies in the middle. For me, and I've been saying this since this fight was signed, it's a barometer of where Triple G is at right now in his career. It could go two ways. It could end in a close, unanimous decision win for, for Gennady. Let's say a 115, 113, 116, 112 kind of decision. I could see that happening. I could also see a dominant performance from Golovkin where he slowly breaks Derevyanchenko down after three or four competitive rounds. And in the middle round, starts really chopping him up with his jab and stops him late. If we see that sort of performance from Golovkin, then clearly, look, he's not at his physical best. His absolute peak, I think, was around the David Lemieux fight. I think that was peak Golovkin. We're not there anymore. That ship has sailed. But how close to that are we? How rejuvenated is he with Jonathan Banks? Is he all of a sudden going to find a fountain of youth and go back to his form in 2013, 2014? No, he's not. But sometimes just rejuvenating a guy who's a little bored and reminding him of some stuff he's forgotten about, getting him excited again, that could be enough to, to kind of get the juices flowing again and to kind of get him close to what he used to be. And I actually think that's where Golovkin's at. I think Golovkin is going to stop Sergei Derevyanchenko in the late rounds. It's not going to be a one-hitter quitter or nothing like that. Uh, I do think that Derevyanchenko is going to get some work done, and he's going to put some leather on Gennady. He's going to be a little marked up. Golovkin's going to have uh, some bruises and some swelling and some redness on his face when this is all said and done. It's going to be even maybe after four rounds. Don't be surprised. If four rounds in, it's two rounds apiece. But into the middle rounds, the jab and the movement from Golovkin and the combination punching, that is what Jonathan Banks is focusing on. Combination punching. You know, I, I was out there in L.A. We saw Jonathan Banks. Gail, she's on the chat. She could tell you guys some of the things he said as well. 
And then um, Gennady's new strength and conditioning coach bumped into him at, um, I want to say it was the Spence, uh, Spence Porter press conference. He was there talking with Steve Kim of ESPN, and we, we shot the shit for a few minutes before me and Steve went out and got something to eat and did my show last Thursday. So, yeah, it was last Thursday. It was a week ago. And we were talking about it, and, you know, both Banks Everybody on Golovkin's new team, they were talking about how the last year or so with Abel Sanchez, they were really focusing on certain punch combinations and kind of drilling them over and over and over to where Gennady was getting, I don't want to use the term robotic, but a little predictable. His timing was getting predictable and some of the, some of the punches and combinations that he was throwing were twos and threes, ones, twos, and threes. He wasn't doing a whole lot else. He was doing the overhand looping right. He was doing looping shots to the body. Of course, the nice strong jab. What they're trying to work on now is punches and bunches, four or five punch combinations, angles, spacing, uh, getting your shot off, but then moving off quarter pivot to the side and continuing the combination on your way out instead of just slamming a dude, resetting, slamming them again, resetting, slamming them again. So what we should see from Golovkin early on is cautious, fluid boxing. And that's why I think it's going to be competitive early. I think that class will show down the stretch. And in the middle rounds, I think that's when Golovkin's going to start to kind of pull away. It's going to be competitive. It's going to be competitive throughout. I just think that later on, the heavy punches are going to start to land Dravyanchenko will be softened up. I see like a 10th round TKO or something. Wouldn't surprise me though if this goes the distance. But I'll say this much. If Dravyanchenko wins four or more rounds in this fight, clearly, you know, cleanly wins four or five more rounds, four or five rounds. Uh, I'm not talking about one of the judges who's an idiot. You know, I don't even know who the judges are for this fight. I'm not talking about a judge turning in a shitty scorecard that people on social media use to push an agenda. I'm talking about legitimately. If Derevyanchenko wins four or five rounds in this fight, Golovkin's well past it. He, he's just, he's past it, and that doesn't bode well for him in the third Canelo fight. It might be just what he needs to get that third Canelo fight. I will tell you this much. If he goes in there and dominates and blows Derevyanchenko away, it's going to be hard to make that third Canelo fight. I'm telling you. There's another thing that Golovkin's new team talked about when we were talking off the record and i'm not gonna i'm not naming names right now because i don't want to put anybody or put anybody in an uncomfortable situation publicly okay i'm just gonna say this i was told this off the record this was their opinion they probably wouldn't say this on camera they weren't even working with golovkin yet when they saw this second fight between canelo and golovkin and they noticed something in the championship rounds of that fight which is something i noticed i know steve kim's talked about it and several others Golovkin won those last few rounds, at least I thought, and a lot of people did. And to me, that's how he eked out that, that second fight, in my opinion. Not everybody agrees. Some people feel that Canelo did enough to win some of those late rounds. But if you look at the body language of Canelo, the last two or three rounds of that fight and Golovkin, Golovkin seems to have found something in those last few rounds against Canelo in the Canelo rematch, where I felt, and many others, in fact, most people ringside, felt he rebounded and eked out that second fight, that rematch. He found something. And what some certain folks on Golovkin's team, his new team, and remember, they, they weren't part of his team during that fight. They think that Canelo and his team noticed it too. And they think that's why they're hesitant to do the rematch and why they kind of want to wait and see Golovkin against another top 10 guy and see where he's at. They were in a position before they ever fought the Canelo teams, the Canelo side was, to wait out Golovkin. And they waited him out to try to get him a little older. And finally they fought him, right? And they, they eked out that decision in the second fight. And then they're like, whew, whew, wiped the sweat off their brow and thought, okay, let's move forward and get some more money. And got that huge contract with the zone and everything else. But I'm telling you guys right now, the last few rounds of that rematch, look at the body language. It seems to me that Golovkin found something and started, he was, and you could just see him thinking, shit, if I started doing this in the third or fourth round, shit. That, that's what I saw. And I think Canelo's side saw that too. 
And it just makes me wonder about the prospects of a third fight. So I also want to give this comparison. To me, Triple G Derevyanchenko does have parallels to Spence Porter, where I was at last weekend. Both fights in the big market. Spence Porter was in L.A., Triple G Derevyanchenko in New York. Also, a lot of people feel Spence might be the best welterweight in the world, was going up against the top 10 uh, welterweight in Sean Porter. Um, somewhere in the middle, Sean Porter is probably number six, number seven in the world, somewhere around there, right? A lot of people feel Golovkin is still the number one, if not number two middleweight in the world, going up against the guy who's probably the sixth, seventh, maybe the fifth best middleweight right now in Derevyanchenko. So in terms of what's on the line, there's a lot on the line. It's two top 10 guys. Maybe one of them is the top guy in a division fighting. It's not a title unification like Spence Porter was. But look, Porter won his title. It was a vacant title off of Danny Garcia, who's a recycle, one of Heyman's recycles. And then a lot of people feel he should have lost it when he fought Ugas earlier this year. So take the titles out of it for a second. And I should state that this fight between Golovkin and Derevyanchenko was for a vacant title as well. Although it was a title that Golovkin once held. Uh, just when you look at the stakes of the fight, two top 10 guys. One is either the first or second best in the division. The other guy's fifth or sixth best. So that's what we saw last weekend. That's what we're getting this weekend. So in other words, you should be just as hyped up for this fight as you were for last Saturday's fight. It's just as important. And in fact, you know, if a third fight with Canelo is on the horizon, the stakes are huge for this fight. They're huge. And believe you me, Golden Boy, Oscar De La Hoya, Eric Gomez, Team Canelo, the Reynosos, they're all going to be watching this fight to see what Golovkin looks like. Also, comparisons to Spence Porter. Going into that fight, I was one of the guys who said, Look, Spence hasn't been matched very hard. It's not all his fault because he has been avoided. But I told everybody, Porter's going to be the toughest opponent of his career. He's the best opponent of his career. No, There's a lot of people out there like, no way, dude. He's going to blow him out. The 10 to 1 odds. The, the book, bookmakers eventually went 10 to 1 the week of that fight, which I thought was a huge mistake. So in some people's eyes, they were really surprised to see Sean Porter have moments in touch Errol Spence and push him back and snap his head back a few times and make him bite down. That didn't surprise me at all. Didn't surprise me at all. It's what I expected. I expected Porter to win four or five rounds. I really did. You guys know this because you watch my show. It's the same thing here with Derevyanchenko. He's going to put leather on Golovkin. I'm saying it now. He's going to have moments. He's going to be very competitive. And I wouldn't be surprised. I said four rounds earlier, but man, halfway through this fight, it might be three rounds apiece. It w- I don't think it will, but it wouldn't surprise me. So there, are, there will be some people out there, and you know the agenda with Golovkin, that some people have this anti-Golovkin thing. If Derevyanchenko has moments, if he snaps Golovkin's head back a few times, if he marks him up, bruises him, or cuts him, there are, gonna, there are going to be some people out there that take that and exaggerate what Derevyanchenko accomplished and maybe give him rounds he doesn't deserve, uh, give him credit, over the, like too much credit, which is what I think some people did with Sean Porter. So uh, I think there are going to be parallels between last week and this week, but it will be interesting to watch the different way it's pushed because of the agendas out there on social media and in the boxing media. So, uh, guys, that's the way I see it. The preview. Let's get to the chat. Get the questions in. Let's chat it up here. Chad Fletcher says, hit the like button. He's damn right. Smash that like button. Marshall Ministry says, uh, or I think think you're talking about Golovkin. Uh, Golovkin did beat Jacobs at least once. Yeah, that's how most people feel. Look, I'll say it, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Uh, the first Golovkin-Canelo fight, I think Golovkin clearly won. The second fight could have won either way. I thought Golovkin edged it. If you feel Canelo edged it, fine, I'm cool with that. As far as I'm concerned, a third fight has to happen because it's a rubber match. They have to fight again. Goodfellas Pulp Fiction asks, how does Ryan Garcia beat a prime pretty boy Floyd? I, you must be talking to somebody in the chat because that's, that's got to be a troll. The prime pretty boy Floyd wipes his ass with Ryan Garcia. Uh, 
Uh, you guys are chatting amongst yourself. If you got questions for me, get them in, man. All right, we got one from Cole Johnson. Who is the most overrated prospect in boxing today? You know, I guess that's who you talk to, man. But in my opinion, when you look at what he's being paid and the attention he gets and everything else, I got to say Ryan Garcia. And it's not because he's a bad prospect. He's a really good prospect. I just don't. He's making better money right now than some title holders. That's crazy. And the amount of attention he gets on social and stuff has more to do with how he looks. Look, looks go a long way. If a really good-looking female boxer comes around, she's going to be famous before she accomplishes anything, right? Um, so it goes not just for women, but for men too. Ryan Garcia is building up a huge female fan following. He's a pretty boy. He's a good prospect, don't get me wrong, but he has massive flaws. And he's getting paid like a title holder already. So... In that respect, maybe it's Ryan Garcia. And then who's the kid that PBC has where they rate, they called him prospect of the year? I think he's a kid out of Michigan. Is it Joey Spencer? If that's who, yeah, I think it was Joey Spencer. Looked better in his last fight, but he's not prospect of the year. That's redonkulous. Ozzie asks, Mike, how is Garcia doing? Is his career over? Almost, yeah. I asked Steve Kim about that. A couple of you guys did last week too. Murat Gassiev's body is breaking down. He's just breaking down all over the place. He's had multiple injuries. It's crazy because he's so young. I think he's one of these guys that doesn't or didn't do a lot of stretching and did a lot of weightlifting. Weightlifting and not stretching, really bad for boxing. And his body, like his shoulders, are just breaking down. So he's going to be around. I don't know how much longer. And I don't know how effective he'll be. Because his body's breaking down, bro. I think we've already seen the peak. Sadly, we've already seen the peak of Murat Gassiev. It's a shame. Nurkin asks, have you watched any Derevyanchenko fights besides the Jacobs fights? What do you think? Yeah, I have. Uh, I've seen several of his fights well before he fought Derevyanchenko. Um, he was uh, in the World Series of Boxing. I want to say for a few seasons, Derevyanchenko was. So he's a good quality boxer. He's absolutely a legitimate top 10 middleweight, if not top five middleweight. Now that Daniel Jacobs has moved up to super middleweight, I think you could call Derevyanchenko top five. I, you, look, I'm not so sure Jermel Charlo beats him. And I think that uh, Derevyanchenko would have a real good chance against Charlo. I think he'd have a good chance against Andre. I think Andre would eke out a decision win, kind of like Jacobs did. But Derevyanchenko's right there in that mix. And he's more proven than those guys because he's fought better opposition. So he's a damn good fighter. CJ Duncan in the house with the super chat. Thank you so much, my man. He says, uh, watching MOB while on car repairs. Cheers, sir. Cheers to you, my man. Car repairs, good times. I was thinking, man, you're at the the shop right now. It's 7.30. But wait, it's not 7.30 for you. (laughs) So, uh, all right, man. Checking in from, uh, from Nevada. I love it, bro. Hope you guys are doing well. We got another super chat from Harrison Property. Thank you very, very much, my man. I appreciate it. And he asked, how is Triple G's $100, $100 million allocation structured? So I assume you're talking about the DAZN deal. Um, number one, I don't believe that $100 million figure. The thing, guys, and this includes Canelo's contract, Tyson Fury's contract with ESPN. When you hear... Let's, I'm just going to throw a number out there. When you hear $25 million guarantee purse, that, there's always conditions to that. There's fine print. There's conditions that must be met. And they're not getting that for every fight. It's structured differently. These guys at the zone, they're not stupid. So the investment in Golovkin, it's like there's options there. Okay, I can say that much. I can't give you all the details. I don't have the details. But I can tell you that, yes, there's a certain amount of money that's put forth that's guaranteed, but then there are options. It's almost like little bonuses. If you maybe compare it to an NFL contract where a quarterback, maybe he gets a bonus if he throws more than 20 touchdowns, if he has less than 10 interceptions. If certain conditions are met, he gets more money and he gets the full amount of the contract that's reported through the media. The media is not going to report that shit. Number one, they're not in the room with, where the contract's being signed. But number two, um, it doesn't get the same headlines, right? 
what gets a headline is $100 million. That's what gets headlines. So for Golovkin's deal, it is for six fights for three years. He's going to fight maybe three times a year. It is possible. If he does, then it's going to be shorter than three years. But it's more likely he fights twice a year. And so you're going to get him fighting uh, two fights this year, two fights in 2020, two fights in 2021. And then after that, it turns into a promotional thing. And there will be options for more fights with the zone. But both sides will have options, Golovkin's side and DAZN's side, should they want to continue moving forward together. But if Golovkin never fights again, he will continue to work with DAZN with his promotional company. So he'll just kind of turn into a promoter. And I should note, you know, seeing him last week, and Gail can talk about this if she's still on. Gail, did he not, did Gennady not seem more relaxed, more happy, more jovial than he's been recently? It seemed to me around that whole Canelo rematch situation, he was really unhappy. And I think part of him feels he sold out for the money and he was kind of doing what a few other people wanted to do as well. Not just him, but maybe he was also playing to someone else's tune, if you will. And now he's doing everything 100% his way. He's completely doing what he wants the way he wants to do it. How that turns out for him, we will have to find out. But it just seemed that before he was marching to someone else's tune, kind of. And now he seems so much more relaxed. I think a big part of that is this deal with the zone, the options it gives him, the freedom. And he is looking into life after boxing. He very clearly already is. He made that very clear. Gail says, to the general group, he was happier but he's still rather dismayed about the whole boxing business. Yeah, that's a good point, Gil. Yeah, I, th- I, think he's still, I think he still feels that he got robbed against Canelo. Now, again, I'm not, necessarily, I'm not using the R word. The first fight, he was robbed. The first fight against Canelo, he was flat out robbed. He also feels that he was kind of screwed over by the IBF. He feels he shouldn't have been, um, shouldn't have been uh, stripped. So he feels the boxing business, you know, is kind of, been shitty to him but I, I you look at the amount of money the guy's made and now what he's got going forward with his promotional career and stuff i think clearly boxing's been real good to him as well and um you know he's probably got mixed feelings about it gail says if you saw his presser in new york this week he got a little exacerbated with the boxing media for asking nothing but canelo questions yeah i, I annoyed him with some canelo questions too i know i did <laughs> he was professional about it, but I know I did. Um, let's see. You guys are talking about um, Lance Pugmire. He's not happy with the new Triple G demeanor. I don't know what you guys mean by that. I'm just getting caught up in the chat here. So you'll have to give me some details. I didn't even know Lance Pugmire had a podcast. Gail said, Triple G said on record, to me, boxing is an ugly business full of ugly people. He really unloaded on me and he allowed me to quote him. Yeah, I remember seeing that one, Gail. That's, I think that's when you went and talked to him alone, right? Um, that was the same lunch, but I, I remember that. <laughs> Saloon Mooney says, are you totally thrilled for Jamal Charlo versus Dennis Hogan? What the hell are they doing with Jamal Charlo? You know, I, I find it funny that some of the same people that say Terrence Crawford needs to cross the street and, and you know, sign with Al Heyman, and it's his fault he's not getting big fights. They're completely silent about the Charlos. Or I should say Jamal Charlo, because he's at middleweight right now. Box Doctor says Charlo going to get beat by Hogan. Hogan's got to win nine rounds to get that decision, bro. I, I think Charlo's going to beat Hogan. Uh, Yair Herrera asked, Hey, Mike, did Triple G train in Big Bear this whole camp? Yes. Golovkin is still training up in Big Bear, literally less than a mile from uh, Abel's gym. He's still training at Shane Moses' gym. I don't like it. I don't like the high-altitude training for extensive periods of time for Golovkin. He likes it. I asked a few people about it. He's going to continue to do that. I personally think it's the wrong move. I think it's wearing him down in these fights. He's getting older. I think he should go up there for a couple weeks to start camp and then come back down uh, to, to the flatland and train with Jonathan Banks in Santa Monica or something like that. That's just what I feel. I, I, and I've made my opinion known. I've told plenty of people about that. 
Yeah. I'm just reading some of you guys' comments here. Isaiah says, Hogan isn't even the middleweight. Yeah, Charlo's probably going to stop Hogan. Completely different style there, guys. Completely different style than, you know, Hogan, you know, some people feel Hogan should have a junior middleweight title right now. But, look, against Charlo, I think Charlo probably is, is going is to stop him. Carlos Cabrera says, Yildirim got caught on peds. Yep, I talked about that in the beginning of the show. Uh, apparently, though, he filed a protest and he wants to be sample tested. So we'll find out what happens. By the way, this whole A sample, B sample thing, fighters really think that there's something to it. There's not. Do, do you know the lengths the people at Vada go to to make sure the samples are contaminated? If you piss into a cup, they take a little bit of it and put one of uh, just a little bit in this container, a little bit in that container. It's the same piss. So whatever was in that piss that's in the A sample, it's the same damn sample as the B sample. But fighters, it's their right to protest and demand the B sample be tested. I guess some more comments here from Gail. She says, here's the quote from Lance Pugmire. Lance Pugmire's article. For those of you who don't know, Lance Pugmire writes for the LA Times. He's covered boxing for a while. He does know his stuff. I think he doesn't score fights very well, but he's he's another guy. I kind of put Lance Pugmire in the same category as Dan Raphael, Mike Coppinger, Kevin Ioli. These guys are very good at establishing um, relationships with fighters, promoters, managers, and such, and putting out stories and breaking news and stuff like that. They're not very good at analyzing fights and scoring fights and and gauging um, a, a matchup, you know, or where a prospect or a champion is at. Uh, not exactly the best boxing historians. Um, so Raphael's pretty decent with boxing history of that group. But I kind of put those guys in the same bucket. Anyway, Lance Pugmire does a good job of uh, breaking news and, and, and stuff like that for LA Times. So let's see, Gail Falkenthal says, this is a quote from his article, we're also seeing how the new Golovkin operates, the man who used to be pleased to engage reporters in a conversation about the landscape of his division or the state of the sport, now declines to discuss alternatives to Alvarez, such as fights with WBO champion Demetrius Andrade, WBC champion Jamal Charlo Munguia, or super middleweight champion Callum Smith. Well, Gail, you were there, and you saw me ask Golovkin about those guys. And you guys have seen my interview with uh, Golovkin from that meeting, I asked him about all those names. And Gennady said he'd be willing to fight all of them. I think some reporters, I'm not going to name names. I think Golovkin and his people feel some reporters have been unfair to him and misquoted him, misrepresented him in some of his quotes. And that is why his demeanor has changed. That's why he brings a Russian translator and makes sure that he's answering questions to, to the best of his ability so he can't be misquoted. But I asked him straight up about all those fighters, and he said he'd be willing to face all of them. It just depends on the deal that comes up. Of course they want Canelo the third time. But uh, he told me straight up, he, he, he actually named all those fighters that Lance Pugmire talked about. So I think it's a little unfair what Lance Pugmire is saying right there. Also, the man who used to be pleased to engage reporters and everything else... That was part of a business plan. The plan has now changed. And I think that Golovkin, again, was doing the business plan before was what a team of people were advising him to do. It got him to a certain place in the sport. He feels that the sport shitted on him in some ways. And now he's recalibrated and they're doing a different business plan. It's not about all the belts. It's not about... um, good boy and, uh, you know, big drama show. It's not about those things. It's about uh, just him going out there and doing his job. And he still want he care, he does absolutely care about his legacy. I know he wants a third Canelo fight. I know he wants to win titles. I know eventually he'll move up to super middleweight. Wouldn't be surprised if he fights Callum Smith next year, if Canelo tells him to get lost. So um, those things will happen. But the guy that was doing all these media events in being Mr. Friendly. and all, Guys, that's gone. And I, I've been telling you guys for years, that's not really who Golovkin is. He, he's, a, he's a serious guy off camera. Completely professional, uh, wonderful professional guy in terms of going about his work. But 
plans change, man. Plans and motives and, and um, just the way you go about things changes throughout a career. Guys, look at all your professional work careers, whatever you do. I'm sure that your tactics and your, the way you go about your job, the way you communicate to your boss, maybe you've become the boss. That's kind of where Golovkin sits right now. He's kind of become the boss. But you'll, you'll change companies, right? You'll change positions, change locations. And it's the same thing with a fighter, man. They're not going to say the same thing and be the same way year after year. And I just think that he, he feels, uh, again, this is me speculating. It's me going off of things I've seen and heard that uh, he's doing his shit his way now. And that's it. Yeah, Gail says, uh, compare the tone of Golovkin's voice in English and Russian. His voice is an octave deeper in Russian. This isn't a fluke. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. When Gennady speaks in Russian, that's the real dude. And, it, and Gail, she could tell you about this as well. Um, those of us, you know, I was in the Los Angeles boxing media. I'm still connected, even though I live here in Atlanta. But those of us who were part of Golovkin's journey as he came up saw how different that guy was in the gym when the cameras were off. We saw a different dude. That's the real guy coming out now. So um, I, I think, you know, and Lance should know that. He's been around. He's seen. But maybe he hasn't been around Gennady with the cameras off. Maybe he hasn't. So in fairness, maybe he hasn't seen that. I don't know. Sailor Mooney says, I read Billy Joe Saunders turned down Andre at 168. What's up with that? Uh, I'm not sure, Sailor Mooney, but um, I know that Billy Joe Saunders has turned down a million fights with a million different guys. I don't know if he wants to stay at 68 or go back down to 60. I just can't take the guy seriously. I take as much as I criticize Demetrius Andrade, I take him a lot more seriously than Billy Joe Saunders right now. And by the way, when they were scheduled to fight originally at 160 before Billy Joe Saunders cheated and got caught cheating, um, I, I, I thought Andre was going to win that fight. I thought Andre was going to beat him by a close decision. And I still think that way now. Boxing and Bulldogs asked Mike, is Inouye to top rank a done deal after the World Boxing Super Series? No, not at all a top deal. I know that rumor's out there. It's possible. Not at all a done deal. And um, yeah, I, we don't know yet. So would would they like to possibly sign him and everything? Sure. But regardless of what you heard, it's not like that's a done deal. Gail says, Lance worked for a daily newspaper that wasn't printing boxing articles for more than a but for only a handful of times a week, he never went to workouts or hung out in gyms. So now he has to do it for the Atlantic. Well, there you go. So there's a learning curve there. So thank you, Gail, for providing that perspective because I didn't even think about it that way, but you're so right because he was with the LA Times and now they got some new kid who doesn't even like boxing who's covering boxing, which that just, yeah, LA Times, there you go. Better than the New York Times, but not by much. Um, but yes, now he's going to gyms and hanging out and seeing a different side. He's actually learning about the sport now. The, the way that, you know, guys like me, just knowing boxing and understanding it and being around the fighters. You guys know I like to train. I like to go in the gym and hang out with the fighters and train alongside them. I'm not necessarily going in there and getting punched in the head by Golovkin. I, I want none of that shit. <laughs> but I will go in the gym and work out and see what guys are doing. And because um, I like working out myself and keeping in shape and everything. I was an athlete in my youth. So um, I do think that gives you a different perspective. And some of these guys, and again, I like Lance. He does a good job for what he does. But I do think there are different media guys that kind of serve different roles. And I put Lance, I put Coppinger, I put Raphael, I put Ioli in a certain basket. And if they stick, if they stay in that lane of just breaking news and writing articles, um, kind of doing little interviews and posting that stuff. I think they do an outstanding job at that. I don't necessarily trust their scorecards. I don't trust them to break down a fight or to review a prospect and give you a really, really good idea of what this kid has or may not have because they just don't, they're not boxing guys. And that's not a put down. That's not a diss. I'm not saying that at all to diss them. They're just not boxing guys. They like boxing, but they're not boxing guys. I doubt any of them have ever fought once in their life. Nothing wrong with that. Just saying. It does give a different perspective. There are guys in the boxing media who actually have fought a little bit. Or even if they haven't, 
They go to the gyms. They train. They understand the mentality of an athlete, of a fighter, to, to a certain degree. You know, a guy that um, I saw at that glove compressor along with Gail, Albert Baker is a great example. You know what I'm saying? Uh, military guy. He knows what it's like to be in the gym. He knows what it's like to, to put on gloves. He understands that process. Is he a fighter, a professional fighter? No, of course not. But he understands that process better than some of these other guys I mentioned. You know what I'm saying? Um, let's see. Mario G says, uh, real journalism is dead. Yeah, 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 I don't know. Not all the way. John Uden with the super chat. Hey, thank you very much, John. He says, will we see Callum Smith versus Plant or Benavidez in 2020? I hope so. Look, for PBC, if you watched my show Monday, I kind of really ranted against PBC a little bit, but they, they kind of deserve it right now. And the one thing I, I understand PBC, what they're doing and why they're doing it. I just don't like the dishonesty about it and them trying to manipulate fans and how it works because they have allies in the credentialed media uh, that, that kind of do puff pieces for them. And we should see Caleb Plant and David Benavidez unified titles before next spring. They, they should unify titles. Okay, you know what? Before next June. I'll give them the first half of the year. If they don't, that is a damn shame. I understand why neither one of them wants to go fight Callum Smith. That's outside of PBC. But those guys are both in PBC. They're both in their youth, their physical prime. Unify the damn titles. They should. But will they? I don't know, bro. Meanwhile, I talked about this Monday. Uh, World Boxing Super Series completely unified the cruiserweight division in a fucking year last year and gave you guys Alexander Usyk. Presented him to the world, right? And there's several other examples I could give you of that. Top rank cleaned out 140 with Terrence Crawford. They're cleaning out 135 right now with Vasily Lomachenko. We're not seeing that on the other side of the street. We need to see it more. Oh, we got another super chat from Nurkin. From, I think you're in Hong Kong right now, bro. Is that what HK is? Is that Hong Kong? Thank you very much for the super chat. I thank you very, very much for that. He asked, any tips on improving boxing skills that you do? Well, there's a, a million of them. Um, I will say, um, if you're not stretching, I think obviously this is you know a no-brainer, but you need to stretch. I think a lot of guys lift so many weights and don't stretch. Also, you need to do boxing-specific movements. A lot of guys that lift weights, they'll get on machines or they'll bench press with the barbell. I like bench pressing with dumbbells. I like doing lunges because it's one leg at a time over squats. I like doing box squats because you can sit down. If you're going to do squats with both legs, you can sit down fully and then explode up. Doing explosive movements, uh, compound movements, deadlifts, power cleans, things that work on your explosiveness, that is going to correlate into boxing when you're punching. But you'll see a lot of guys get on there and they're on these machines. They're doing squats on the Smith machine. Uh, they're you know just doing um, bicep curls and stuff like this. That's not going to help you box. So if you're doing that shit, stop. Start doing compound movements, compound lifts. And that helps with your explosiveness. Also, um, you ever use the ladder, the little ladders you can buy and throw on the ground? You could do all sorts of boxing drills with that ladder. Lay that ladder out in front of a mirror. You could step in, step out, step in and jab, step in and jab, uh, double jab and step through the ladder, back and forth. You can work on side to side movement. You could do so much with that ladder. Get a cone. You could do the same thing. You could jab around a cone and give angles. Do all that stuff in front of a mirror. Vary it up. Do it for three minutes at a time, just like you would on the bag. All sorts of drills like that. Start slow. Do it very slow. I'm talking about where you're crawling. Do it very slow and then work on it faster, 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 faster. Um, That stuff will improve your skills big time. And the best thing you could do is spar. Seriously, don't be afraid to spar. Make sure if you've never sparred before, you let your sparring partner know that. Don't try to play it up and be like, oh, yeah, do that spar all the time. Yeah. And then go in there and he's taking it serious with you. Let him know that um, 
that you've never sparred before, it's okay. Nobody's going to hate on you for that. But sparring, you work all the stuff you do on the bag, all the drills, all the movements. You take that shit to sparring and you see how it works in the real fight. And you see what works in the real fight, what doesn't work in the real fight. It's so important. Don't shit on sparring. Is Robin on here? Robert Sauer with the Super Chat Pledge. Thank you so much, Robin. I guess Robin doesn't have a question. Okay, Robin, uh, will I see you this weekend? Will I see you in a couple days? I can't remember. I know you said Levante's up in New York. But I think you said you and Adam are there. So hopefully me and Tiff can see you. If I can get my lazy-ass brother to come out, because he's going to be in town, maybe we'll all come see you and say hi. Thank you very much, Robin. Robin Sauer. Guys, she, she uh, works at the gym. One of the, I want to say one of the owners... Robin, correct me if I'm wrong. One of the owners, but um, definitely one of the top people at the gym there in Charlotte, North Carolina, that I train at when I'm up there visiting my sister. And my sister's getting married this weekend, so I'll be up there visiting her. And um, that kid, Levante Early, that I've told you guys about, trains out of that gym. So um, awesome people. Awesome, awesome people. Robin, thank you so much. You guys are great. I'll see you. Boxing and Bulldogs. How come Levante early is always late? Oh, I see what you did there. I got to tell you, I'm sure Levante heard that plenty of times growing up. <laughs> his nickname should be On Time. <laughs> that should be his nickname. John Uden says, Mike, Yard's trainer laughs at sparring. Yeah, and you see where that, where that ended up for Yard. I mean, if Yard had, had done 50 rounds of hard sparring for that Kovalev fight, he would have won. There's, there's no reason that Anthony Yard should have lost that fight to Sergey Kovalev. Absolutely no reason. He did... A, there's a great example of what I was talking about a second ago. Anthony Yard, thousand punch combinations on the mitts. Probably looks great on a heavy bag. Looks like Mr. Olympia. Fit body. Probably lifts all sorts of weights. But when it came time to fighting, a dude was a fish out of water. And he was fighting an old man well past his best should have won really should have won but he couldn't he couldn't get it done <laughs> andre smith said am i in the mafia with grandpa bob grandpa bob's not in the mafia but grandpa bob has met people in the mafia Emmanuel Alvarez says 78 Sports TV called me a bad man. Will I debate him? Are you saying me or are you saying someone else in the chat? I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, I don't even know who that dude is. I think it's a YouTube guy, right? Look, he could get in line. There's a thousand people who call me bad and all sorts of other mean, nasty shit. What are you going to do about it? Somebody threatens me or my family? Well, that's a different discussion. Okay. Um, Last question of the night, and then we're going to jump off, guys, so I can go eat dinner. Scott X. Scary asks, who's on the panel of judges that decides who gets in the Hall of Fame? Good question. Uh, There's about, I want to say upwards of 200 different people. Sports writers, uh, pundits, analysts, all these people that are chosen. They're chosen. And you kind of get into this group of guys and girls that gets to vote. It's kind of a mess, a really disorganized mess, to be honest with you. But that's the way they do it. So there's a group of panelists, and I think it's up to almost like 200 people now. And they send out these uh, the ballots every year, and you're supposed to pick three people. And I guess now they've changed it to where it used to be uh, five years from your last fight. Now it's three years from your last fight. It's a loaded pool this year. And I do think more than three will get in this year because they also said you're supposed to pick three. But if there are more than three fighters who get 80% or more of the panel voting for them, they'll elect them too. So don't be surprised if you see four or five fighters from the modern era category get voted in. It wouldn't surprise me at all but you're at least going to get three. Carlos Cabrera asked, Mike, where do we get some MOB shirts? Awesome question. And now we're going to end it on that. Email me, MonteroOnBoxing at gmail.com. And that is where you can get them, okay? At one point, we're going to have a store in the whole nine. But for right now, email me, 
and then we can uh, we can do it. Um, I'll just let you know. I do it either through PayPal or Venmo or something like that, and I will ship it to you directly, my friend. So email me, MonteroUnboxing at gmail.com. All right, guys, that's it for this show. Make sure you smash that like button and get to spread the word about this show. Chris Bergen says, get a T-shirt, boys. I just got one sent to the UK. Yes, you did, Chris, and it looks great on you. Chris posted a photo in the pic. Fits perfect. You look like a badass in it. I love it. Thank you for the support, Chris. And thank all of you for the support, for watching. We'll do it again Monday night, all right? Enjoy the fights this weekend. It's going to be fun. I'll see you at the fights.